Welcome to the SMC 2022 podcast. 2,000 years ago, Jesus gave an invitation that changed the world. Come, follow me. Today, we have the same invitation. Hey, y'all. My name is Brian Magaha. I graduated from Texas Tech University in 2019 and have been on staff with Stumo at Tech ever since. Thank you for tuning in. I'm excited for our topic today. One thing you need to know about me is that my eating habits are known to be fairly underdeveloped. Essentially, most people would say that I have the diet of a five or six-year-old. Growing up, my meals typically consisted of grilled cheeses, pepperoni pizza, and bean and cheese tacos. I wasn't trying real meat until my junior year of high school, obviously leading to a severe iron deficiency. But anyway, since being married, I've grown and matured as a man, and now I'm proud to say that meat is a regular part of my diet. Although my eating habits have come a long way, my go-to meal day in and day out, still to this day, is the all-time classic chicken tenders. That's right, chicken tenders. They are the greatest food of all time. But inevitably, every time I talk about chicken tenders with someone, the classic debate always comes up. Who makes the best chicken tenders? Canes, Slims, Chicken Express, Sonic, Chick-fil-A, Popeyes. I mean, there's so many options. And honestly, there's a lot of good arguments for each one. The sauce, the fries, the crispiness of the chicken. I mean, it goes on and on. Which one is actually the best? Maybe for you, religion can feel like this. Like there's a lot of great ones to choose from. And the way that people talk about them, some of them are very convincing. So how do I know what's true? How do I know which is the right one? Think about this. You go to SMC, you learn a ton, you have a great time. And when you get home, your mom says this to you. I'm glad you enjoyed your time, honey. But how can you honestly be sure Christianity is the right one? Uh... I don't know. It just is. (laughs) How would you answer that? I mean, this is an important question to ask ourselves because in our culture, it seems that there are so many options to choose from. And a majority of the people we would ask would say, hey, as long as you believe in something, right? This is known as the mountain theory of religion, that all of humanity is at the bottom of the mountain and God's on top. The belief is that everyone is free to choose their own faith. I'm climbing up one side of the mountain, you're climbing up another. It looks different, but we're both climbing back to God, right? It's like picking an ice cream flavor. Just kind of pick the faith that you like the most and we'll all end up in the same place. And although this may seem like a good, inclusive perspective, listen to what Jesus has to say about this topic. Jesus in John 14, he makes this astounding claim. He says this, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. This is a huge statement because Jesus is saying he's the only way to get to God. He honestly is saying there is no mountain theory of religion. He he says there's actually only one single way, and that's through him. So what makes Jesus' way right? What is it about Christianity that sets it apart from the rest? Well, whether you're a follower of Jesus or not, my hope is that on this podcast, I can help you answer these questions as we look at three key attributes of the Christian faith. Let's jump into it. 
The first characteristic of Christianity that we're going to look at is consistency. Consistency is important because if something is only true for a period of time, then it's not absolute truth. And because of this, we should look no further than the book that is the very foundation of the Christian faith. The Bible is the very words of God inspired by the Holy Spirit. It is God revealing himself to all mankind, telling the story of creation, fall, redemption, and restoration. Now today I want to look at the consistency of God's word. And in order to do that, we're going to dive into some evidences that further prove the consistency of the Christian faith. First is the evidence of unity. The Bible was written by 40 different authors in over a 1500 year period in three different languages. Many other religions, sacred texts like the Quran, the Book of Mormon, the Bhagavad Gita are written by one person. The fact that the Bible written by 40 different authors from Genesis to Revelation tells one unified story with no major contradictions is actually incredible. That is consistent. Next is the evidence of science. The Bible written thousands of years ago states plainly what took scientists years and years to discover. For instance, we see a water cycle described in Job, one of the first books written in the Bible. Job 36, 27 through 28 says this, For he draws up the drops of water, they distill his mist and rain, which the skies pour down and drop on mankind abundantly. That's the water cycle. The Bible speaks of the suspension of the earth. Job 26, verse 7 says, He stretches out the north over the void and hangs the earth on nothing. Isaiah 40, 22 says this, It is he who sits above the circle of the earth, and its inhabitants are like grasshoppers. God's word said the earth was round long before man figured that out. The Bible has been right and consistent for its entire existence. And then there's the evidence of survival. Something that's really shocking to most people is the fact that we don't actually have the original copy of the Bible. Whoa. That's not good. No, no, no. Actually, it's normal. We don't have the original of any ancient document because there was no printing press back then. And because of this, in order to get the most accurate document, we can look to the number of copies of any document to see how they compare to each other. So with that in mind, let's look at how the Bible stacks up compared to some of the other ancient documents. First, we'll start with Plato. Maybe you're familiar with Plato. The earliest copy we have of Plato's writings are 900 AD, which is 1,200 years after the original was written, and we only have seven copies of this. Next is Aristotle. The earliest copy we have for him was 1,100 AD, which was 1,400 years after the original, and we have 49 copies. Okay, a little little more respectable, a little more respectable. Homer, the earliest copy we have from him was 400 BC, which is only 500 years after the original. And we have 643 copies of those, which is pretty credible. Now with the New Testament, just to show you how amazing this is when it comes to the idea of survival and consistency, the earliest copy we have is from 130 AD, which is only 60 years after the original document was written. And we have 20,000 plus copies of the New Testament. 20,000 plus copies. And you might be wondering like, okay, so we have a lot of copies. Big deal. 
But the reason it's so significant is because we can verify and check every copy to get the most accurate translation from the original document. And now we've only scratched the surface with these evidences, but it's clear that the Bible provides a firm foundation for the consistency of Christianity. Jesus said in Matthew 24, 35, heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will not pass away. Jesus was 100% confident that his word will be consistent for the entirety of time. Consistency is a key attribute to the Christian faith. So we've seen that Christianity is consistent, but now you might be thinking to yourself, okay, but there's other things that we believe that are still consistent and true today. So what makes Christianity different? What makes it different aside from the consistency? I believe one of the most compelling keys to the Christian faith is the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Everything in Christianity hinges on the resurrection. Without it, our faith means nothing. Listen to how Paul, one of the writers of the New Testament, puts it in 1 Corinthians 15, verses 14 through 17. He says this, And if Christ has not been raised, then our preaching is in vain, and your faith is in vain. We are even found to be misrepresenting God, because we testified about God that he raised Christ, whom he did not raise, if it is true that the dead are not raised. For if the dead are not raised, not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile and you are still in your sins. Paul is writing to some Corinthians who are having a hard time believing in the resurrection of Jesus. This causes Paul to to really go to bat and to thoroughly explain how critical the resurrection is to the Christian faith. He, He says that if the resurrection isn't true, then your faith is pointless. It's meaningless and there's no hope after death. He even goes on to say later on in this passage that the resurrection didn't happen. We, Christians, of all people, should be pitied for giving our entire lives to this. Like, it doesn't make sense if there's no resurrection. But that also means the opposite is true. If the resurrection did happen, if Jesus did raise from the dead, then it's everything for our faith. Imagine this. Imagine you enroll in a class next semester, just a normal three-hour class with homework, quizzes, tests, and it ends with a final. So throughout the semester, you're working hard. You're doing everything that the professor asks of you. You're doing all the homework assignments, putting in the extra time studying for the quizzes and the tests. And and finally, after a week's worth of studying, you take the final and, and you're feeling good about it. You go and turn it in. And right before you leave the class for the last time, your professor comes up to the front of the class and he says to everyone, Hey, thank you guys so much for your hard work this semester. I just wanted to let you know we will not be giving out final grades for this course. And because of that, you won't receive credit on your transcript. Thank you, guys. Wait, what? Wouldn't that be so frustrating? Like all of the hard work that you did was a waste. It it was pointless since ultimately there was no credit in the end. Paul says it's essentially the same thing with the resurrection. If Jesus comes to earth, lives a sinless life, performs all of these miracles, and dies, but he doesn't raise from the dead, none of it matters. Our faith is meaningless. We're just wasting our time. Simply put, no resurrection, no Christianity. 
But because Jesus did raise from the dead, it proves everything that he said to be true. And, and he conquered that he conquered death and that now he reigns as Lord. Every other leader of these religions has died, of, of other major religions has died and has not come back to life. Not only did Jesus die and resurrect three days later exactly like he said he would, but there are hundreds of eyewitness accounts of people that saw Jesus after he was crucified. The resurrection of Jesus is one of the most compelling attributes of Christianity. Listen to how, the, how critical the resurrection is in the words of a very prominent pastor, John MacArthur. He says this, The resurrection is the ground of our assurance. It is the basis for all of our future hope. And it is a source of power in our daily lives here and now. It gives us courage in the midst of persecution, comfort in the midst of trials, and hope in the midst of this world's darkness. Do you hear that? I mean, he says it's the basis of Christianity's hope, power, courage, comfort. It is all of those things for the Christian. The resurrection it is foundational and compelling for the Christian faith. Lastly, Christianity is contrary to all of the major world religions. You might be asking, well, how does Christianity stack up? It's consistent, it's compelling, but how does it stack up against other major world religions? And so let's take some time to look at what these religions believe. The first one we're going to look at is animism. Over 150 million people in the world practice this religion today. Around 2% of the world's population practice this religion. The belief that every natural thing in the universe has a soul. Trees, rocks, animals, stars, rivers, you and me all have souls. And everything is animated or alive in the spiritual sense. And so if you go to a tribal culture in any part of the world, there's a good chance they will practice some form of animism. The life of an animist is dominated with a constant fear of the spirit world. And so salvation for the animist, in a sense, is really based on man's effort to please the spirits in order to get back to God. Islam, 1.8 billion people in the world practice this religion today. It's about 24% of the world's population. And to be a Muslim, you must uphold the five pillars of Islam. The first is reciting the creed. Then you must pray five times daily at specific times facing the direction of Mecca, fast for the month of Ramadan, give alms, and finally make the Hajj a, a pilgrimage to the holy city of Mecca at least once in your life. And if you do those things, you are a faithful Muslim and you hope at the end of your life, your good deeds will outweigh your bad deeds when measured on a scale so that you can achieve salvation. Salvation for the Muslim, therefore, is based on man's effort. Buddhism. About around 500 million people worldwide practice this religion, making up about 7% of the world's population. Founded by Siddhartha Gautama during the 6th century BC, Buddha actually is not a deity who is worshipped, but it's the name given to the founder of the religion. And so essentially, Buddha set out one day to achieve enlightenment through 49 days of meditation and temptation. And, and when he finally was enlightened, um, that's how the religion of Buddhism was created. The Four Noble Truths and the Eightfold Path. Basically, the noble truths teach us that all existence is suffering, and the only way to escape suffering is to cease to exist. 
The Eightfold Path is a means of living and meditating in order to break the cycle of life and to cease to exist so that finally one can cease to suffer. The last words of Buddha describe the philosophy of Buddhism well. Decay is inherent in all things. Work out your salvation with diligence. So for a Buddhist, salvation is based on man's effort. Lastly, Hinduism. Over one billion people worldwide practice this religion, almost entirely the nation of India. It's about 14.7% of the world's population. Known as the most difficult to understand and explain in all of the world religions because of the way that it's evolved since its initial origins, um, that is Hinduism. And so the two most essential beliefs of Hinduism is, being, is the being Brahman and the concept of karma. And so Brahman is the supreme deity from which all other gods merely are an extension of or a different manifestation. Today in Hinduism, there's over 330 million gods. All 330 million gods emanate from the oneness of Brahman. And karma is the way back to unity with Brahman, who we are separated from. And you must do good and enough good things to build enough good karma to be reincarnated into a higher caste in your next life enough times until you are reunited with Brahman. For Hindu, salvation is based on man's effort. You see, there's a common theme from each of these major religions. All religions recognize that there is something wrong with us that separates us from God or or makes us spiritually incomplete. The point of every religion is to fix that problem or to be saved. How we as humans can get back to God. For the animist, salvation comes through appeasing the spirits through sacrifice. For the Muslim, salvation comes through following the five pillars and your good deeds outweighing your bad. For the Buddhist, salvation comes through adhering to the eightfold path. And for the Hindu, salvation comes through gathering enough good karma Each of these major religions focuses on man's effort and what man can do in order to be saved. Most religions make demands. And the aim of Christianity is to solve this same problem of spiritual brokenness. But there's one thing that separates Christianity from all of the others. And that is the person of Jesus Christ and his offer of grace. Most religions make demands, but Jesus offers grace. You see, every other religion we just talked about requires man to do something to get right with God. Most of them even feel like they're up to chance, honestly. Like, can you ever really know if you did enough good in your life to to be saved? But this is where Christianity is unique. This is where it's contrary to every other religion. Listen to how the Bible describes salvation for the Christian. Ephesians 2.8 For by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God. Romans 6.23 says this, For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. 2 Timothy 1.9 God who saved us and called us to a holy calling, not because of our works, but because of his own purpose and grace, which he gave us in Christ Jesus before the ages began. You see, each of these verses hits the foundation of the Christian faith, grace. You see, the Bible states that no man can earn salvation by works. It says we were all at one point spiritually dead in our sin. 
But God, who is rich in mercy, sent his one and only son to live a perfect life and ultimately to die on the cross, resurrecting three days later to be the perfect sacrifice for all of sin. And because of Jesus's work on the cross, the Bible says that if you confess with your mouth and believe, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. This gospel of grace is why Christianity is contrary to every other religion. Because our sin is so great, we cannot earn God's grace. We can only receive it through Jesus. For every other religion in the world, man must earn right standing before their God by performing good deeds or living up to a certain standard. Look at it this way. Imagine you're on trial every day of your life. Everything you do is either providing evidence for the prosecution or evidence for the defense. And for most religions in the world, your performance, the life you live, leads to your verdict, whether you are innocent or guilty. If you are a Muslim, your performance leads to the verdict. If you're a Buddhist, your performance also leads to the verdict. If you believe that being a good person will get you into heaven, then your performance will lead to the verdict. But it's completely different for the Christian. Jesus lived and died in our place, and the moment we believe in him, we are declared righteous in God's eyes. You see, there is no trial for the Christian because God, the judge, the moment you believed, has already made the decision. The verdict is already in. You're innocent. And now for the rest of our lives, we can live in light of the verdict that was given at that moment. Christianity is unlike any other religion. You see, there are many religions that claim to be the solution to our separation from God. And I hope by listening to this podcast that you gain some clarity as to what sets the Christian faith apart from the rest. And just a quick side note, this podcast has barely scratched the surface of this topic. There is so much to be learned about other world religions and Christianity. If you have more questions, please, I encourage you to do further research to find the answers that you're looking for. The decision of what you believe is massive. Maybe you listen to this podcast and you are a Christian. I want to encourage you to continue diving deeper into God's word so that like 1 Peter 3.15 commands us, you can be ready to give a defense to anyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that is in you. God could place someone in your life that is wrestling with the same question of why Christianity and you could, and he could use you to point them to the truth. Or maybe you listen to this podcast and, and you're still unsure about what you believe. My hope is that you will deeply consider these characteristics of the Christian faith, most importantly, the grace offered to you through the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus. I would encourage you to talk with someone who follows Jesus if you have more questions or if you feel like God's doing something in your heart. So why Christianity? Because Christianity is consistent, it's compelling, and it's contrary. Hey, thank you guys again for tuning in. Hey, you're able to find all of the other SMC podcasts and breakout sessions on Apple and Spotify by searching SMC 2022 podcasts.